Everyone, welcome to Kansas City's newest movie podcast. Uh, we are called Who the Hell is This For? Uh, really excited to be talking about movies. Uh, I am Ty here with Jeff and Riley. Very pumped for our first episode. How about you guys? Yeah, really glad we could get together and do this. Yeah, never recorded yeah. a podcast before. We're really gonna. You're excited to give it a try. It, you know, it's just it's gonna be really fun. We can talk about the. I can't wait for our episode over Mother. That's our next planned episode. <laughs> what do you guys think about doing it all in the same room? Yeah, let's let's do it. And then what I think yeah, we should that... do is is no bits. You know, just a completely serious film oh, podcast. Why would we? Yeah. Why would we do bits on Who? our movie podcast, it's, guys? It's twenty twenty two. We take film discussion seriously. <laughs> Incredibly. <laughs> But kind of uh, as we alluded, it has been a long time since we have all met. Uh, We are very glad to be back together. And the podcast going forward, we are going to be on a monthly, uh, once a month, releasing an episode. Uh, And it might, we might go a little broader than just a single movie now. We might talk about general concepts in movies, movies that identify or uh, exemplify a style really well or a concept that we decide to talk about. So it's going to be a little looser, a little more, allow for more broad discussion and allow for people to kind of keep up with what we're talking about, even if you haven't watched the movies that we're talking about. Uh, So hopefully be a little more accessible and stay a little regular uh, with just that one episode a month schedule. And with that out of the way, we are very excited to kick things off with our best of 2021 episode. Man, love the idea of our new episodes. Uh, Really think we should look into an anime episode. (laughs) You know, I think that would be good because that's one we haven't done before. Be a great way to kick off the new year. Yes. Speaking of incredibly broad interests, you know, that everybody will, that's very accessible to everyone. Starting off with something that everyone watches, anime. Anime is the world's most watched form of media. (laughs) Oh, man. So, as we get started, uh, we have a few different categories, and Riley, could you run us through the order of what we'll be talking about tonight? Yeah, absolutely. So, we will be kicking it off with Tyler's intro. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Check it off. We one got of it. one. Job well done. Uh, then we are moving into movies we wish we saw this year. Uh, then we will do bottom three of the year. Favorite non-2021 watch. Most who the hell is this for movie, 2021 or otherwise. Favorite score. Favorite scene. Favorite performance. And uh, best... <laughs> Best three movies of the year, and then we wrap it up with most anticipated of 2022. Awesome. So, Riley, go ahead and start us off with our first category. All right. So, movies I wish I saw in 2021. How do we want to do this, guys? Do we want a round robin, or do we just want to fire off our our three? For this, are we doing three? Then let's round robin. All right. So, the first one... Um, I'm probably going to go with the one that will the most popular of the three. I'm going to go with licorice pizza. Never got around to that one and haven't really heard anything bad about it. So, yeah, no one has had anything bad to say on the internet about that movie. (laughs) Just a universally beloved, not misunderstood masterpiece. Yes. Jeff, what about you? 
So this is hard because there's actually quite a few things um, from 2021 that I didn't get around to seeing. Um, <clears throat> but just because I know it'll probably show up in um, either one or both of your picks for things. Um, I have not seen the new Matrix. Um, and I did not see the new Matrix because I have not seen two and three in a really, really long time. And so I had planned to do those before and just didn't get them done kind of before this episode. So I have not seen the new Matrix. But Jeff is a, a big Animatrix guy. <laughs> he, yes. Huge. Weekly rewatch. Uh, for me, my my biggest one I think that I missed um, or that I'm most disappointed that I didn't see is uh, Titan. However, I actually have never been sure on the pronunciation Titan? of that one. Do they say it? it was... Is that her name? <laughs> they never really say it. It's, okay. It's... It, it... It, it's a great question. I mean, it's French, so... Yeah, French. So I'm just going off Titan. Titan. Uh, <laughs> which I believe will... will Titan. Titan. Titan and Titan accessories. <laughs> oh, man. There's so many good jokes that would actually work for that if you had seen the movie. Um, I... As soon as I have the opportunity or have, like, the money for a rental or want to just spend the money on a rental, I should say, that'll probably be the next one I do. Oh, it'll show up in our episode, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, Riley, what about your next one? Um, Next one, we are going to go with The Power of the Dog. Um, I think that one's on Netflix. It is. Just, again, never got around to it. Everything I've heard, it sounds like I'm a lot higher on it than most people are. I mean, a lot of people. But I are, really loved it. A lot of people are pitching Cumberbatch for potential awards, so I think in that respect, it's people people like it. But yeah, I would say of all the people who have seen it, I think you have a, a higher opinion than what I have heard from other people. So I have, like Riley, not seen Licorice Pizza or Power of the Dog, but one of the ones that I was really um, I was happy missing originally, and then having learned more about it later, um, I really want to see The Last Duel. So I am yeah. a millennial that did not see The Last Duel, uh, so I am part of the problem. Ridley King Scott, Ridley's going to be your ass. Resistance. Ridley Scott, mea culpa. Um, so, I mean, I'll be honest. I had the same reaction that I think a lot of people did to the trailer, right? Which was, we thought this movie was very focused on... I mean, it is medieval Boston. A, yeah, <laughs> it is focused on a medieval rape scandal, right? But it it looked very painful to watch and endure. And from everything I've heard, it's actually a really, really good movie, and it it handles its touchy subjects incredibly well, and it's still very compelling. So that's something that I plan on watching in the next couple of months. But it's something I didn't catch from this past year. That's one I also really want to see. Um, since you mentioned it, I will not. Uh, the second one I really wanted to catch that I just didn't was Spencer, the Kristen yeah. Stewart Princess Die movie. Good pick. I've heard a lot of genre fans really enjoying that one. Um, our friends over at Nightmare Junkhead, Greg, actually, it made his top ten list. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, for a horror podcast. So... 
he said it is not necessarily horror, but has a lot of horror elements and horror influence, which I think is just so interesting. So really excited to get that one at some point as well. All right. Uh, so the last one I didn't get around to seeing in 2021. Um, I, I intended to see it right off the first trailer, and it, that was uh, Last Night in Soho. Oh yeah. Didn't get to see Never that. Never got one. to that. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard mixed things about that one. A lot of mixed things. Yeah. So, it's something that I definitely want to see, but after I saw reactions to it, I said, well, of all the things I really want to watch in October, maybe I'll push right. that one off. Yeah, that's kind of how it That's how it fell for me. All right, I'm having a hard time picking my third one. There's a lot of additional things, especially like, especially this time of year. I feel like there's a lot of post-Thanksgiving releases that are intended to just kind of hit right in time for Oscar season, um, mm-hmm. and those are things that I think are very hard to catch before the end of the year. So, uh, Spencer is on there uh, for that for me. Um, one that um, sh- really I feel like maybe shouldn't be up my alley, but I've heard great things about is the new West Side Story is supposed to be incredible. Yeah, yeah. I've heard well, nothing Well, I mean, but it sounds things. like, you know me and how I feel about Spielberg and, and 99% of the time going to love everything Spielberg puts on screen, um, except for one movie that, you know, it'd be good to do an episode over Ready Player One. Yeah, we've um, never done that. We haven't done that. But Spielberg, it just, it sounds like this is like a culmination of like his entire craft and career, which for anybody, that's a really cool prospect. But for Steven Spielberg of all people, that's in just the bar is high. Right. Right. I saw some of the, the stills, you know, of just some of the shots they did. Incredible. Um, and, and their works of art in a single frame, you know what I mean? So definitely something that I'm looking forward to seeing. I kind of wish I would have been able to see it on the big screen, but yeah. Overall, I think it'll something it'll, it'll probably still hold up at home. You you mentioned the stills, but even more so with Spielberg, like so much of his artistry goes with how the camera moves between shots um, and through shots, and that's just I I have seen some clips, and it just looks incredible. Uh, my last one that I have, I have a bunch. I really want to see French Dispatch, which I know was just added to our library. Um, last Duel. Uh, Spencer, I mentioned Spencer, Antlers, Nightmare Alley, but the big one I want to mention is Annette. I never caught Annette. I know it's on Prime, and I really want to see it. Yeah, I, I'm also with you on Annette. Can I throw out a couple other like honorable mentions? Folks, we love baby Annette, don't we? We love her. Um, my honorable mentions are, I have not seen the new Spider-Man, so if you guys mentioned that, I didn't get a chance to see that yet. Uh, House of Gucci is supposed to be insane yeah. in both good and bad ways. Um, and then some other stuff kind of for award season. Um, I've heard Come On, Come On and The Worst Person in the World are supposed to both be really, really yes, good. Yes, I, I really not. want to see Worst Person in the World. Yep. Riley, any honorable mentions? Mm, not really. I, I do need to see the new James Bond. Oh. Ooh, and have any of us seen Benedetta? I'm guessing not. 
No, but I know the poster's back up on Letterboxd, so. <laughs> well, the poster changes. There is a small part of the poster that either appears or does not appear, depending on what area you're trying to like buy the movie from. So Google Play has a very family-friendly version, and the rest of them have what it's supposed to be. We're talking nips, folks. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move into our next category. We're going to be talking about our bottom three movies of the year. So there were some stinkers from 2021. Um, <laughs> Tyler, do you want to start us off with your um, bottom three? Okay, so my, my number three is Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. This movie... I can't, I... Go ahead, sorry. You can't hear me? No, no, no! I was just gonna say I can't. Even, I can't say I even. I even knew that existed. Oh, yeah, um, a straight to Paramount Plus release that I watched on Halloween night uh, because it looked very culty and folk horror-y, and it stinks. And it jumps back and forth between found footage and just like omniscient camera, like they're just making a movie, and it. That doesn't work for the paranormal franchise. Yeah, I feel like it, you got to stay true to the form, right? Like you can't, you can't chop it in and out. Yeah, and like they bring in the drone camera a lot, so you have a lot of overhead sweeping drone shots in your found footage movie. Which, like, sure, it works, but it just doesn't. It doesn't yeah. work well, and then there wasn't enough story wise to carry it. So I'm gonna put it at number three. Riley, what about you? Uh, number three, I am sad to say I'm actually, no, I'm going to make a last minute audible here. Cause I changed this score today. Uh, number three, I'm going to go venom Two. let there be carnage. Oh, oh, really? Um, and the reason I took it down is the more I see that movie on letterboxd, I think about Woody Harrelson <laughs> and I just hate it. That is just the worst <laughs> casting you could have done. Yeah. Uh, I like I liked the movie. I would watch it again, but man, oh man, did they cast that just horribly. Yeah. And he's not good in it. He is just yeah. not good in it. <laughs> that sounds right. When I saw that casting, I, I was so confused. I was like, what part of the Carnage character would Woody Harrelson like embody? You know what I mean? He's too... One, he's too old for the character, right, to be a contemporary of Eddie Brock. And I just don't think he has the... He's like a weird-looking dude, but he's not like a scary-looking dude. Like, he's a long way away from um, natural-born killers. No, and then you stuck a fucking clown wig on him. <laughs> so did that carry over into the no, new movie? So the, the original one from the uh, Venom 1 post-credits was not the one they used. They used some... Uh, I don't know how to describe this new wig they used. Basically, they gave that wig a haircut, <laughs> stuck what I'm guessing is a wave cap on it to flatten it down. <laughs> Give him the Norman Osborn. And just, like, combed it all forward. It was so bad. <laughs> that sounds awful. Jesus. I mean, you casted a guy that's, like, famously bald. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just jarring to begin with. But what are you going to do? I still like uh, Tom Hardy's Venom. So. Yeah. 
just poor execution from Sony, which uh, you know. he's a better Tom H in the Spider series than another one. Okay. Oh, actually, uh, 2022. I don't discuss Marvel movies on any platform anymore. So, <laughs> honestly, a good choice. <laughs> All right, Jeff, um, you're number three. Yeah. So. I, I don't know that I watched a lot of bad movies this year, but these are just the ones that are the lowest rated on my end. So I actually have one of the the lowest rated movies for me of the year was Conjuring 3. Um, there were there were scenes in it that are just yeah. as good as any part of The Conjuring. I think we probably talked about this on one of our episodes in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the whole movie overall like just lacks the same punch. It's, it gets really boring. Um, and So boring. And, like, it's also, like, probably the most religious of the three in terms of, like, religion can conquer evil. And, like, it's fine if that's sort of a subplot in your horror movie for it to be the main piece seemed like a like an op. You know what I mean? To, like, get yeah. people to be thinking about it. So, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. I was not excited about it. I will not watch it again. Two two stars out of five for me. I don't oh, yeah, know if I'll s- ever revisit it. Yeah, I that one was before I stopped rating things on Letterbox, and that was a two and a half out of five. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me clarify. Venom two was a a two and a half for me. Got it. We should probably throw out the scores while we're doing this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, see, I stopped giving scores, so I'm exempt. Well, all right. Thumbs well, if you have it, give it. It honestly, it's a great way to engage <laughs> Tyler, with movies. Just, I gave this one up. <laughs> my my binary scale is it rules or it stinks (laughs) or there's a uh there's an in the middle that's uh it's fine the andy vargas it's fine (laughs) fine it's fine (laughs) all right my number two is uh cinderella oh folks it's not good wait that's the one where that's the one you text as Pierce Brosnan just can't sing. Yes, and that's the best part of the movie is if you your movie steers into Pierce Brosnan not being able to sing, such as the Mamma Mia franchise um, or the Mamma Mia verse. Um, he really shines the when he cannot sing. Yes. Uh, yeah, James Corden, get him off my screen. Yeah. Oh man, this guy stinks. Uh, Camila Cabello, not just devoid of charisma. And the other guy was that Sean Mendez. I don't know. Was that who I, it was? I think they were dating. I don't know if he was actually in the movie. Oh, that I think that's it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sean Mendez catching strays. <laughs> Fuck you, Sean Mendez. You, you were completely unnoticeable in Cinderella. <laughs> to be fair, all right, I did see Sean. So he was Sean Mendes was playing ACL when we were there the last time, and we saw I think five mm-hmm. songs of his, and we're like, eh, we can walk away now. That's about it. Yep, same. It, uh, we got the idea. <laughs> just put an iPod uh, up to the mic, and that's basically the same thing. He's <laughs> just gonna stand there and kind of sway back and forth a little bit, holding his guitar. Let it be known that I just used the the reference iPod. <laughs> <laughs> totally by accident god in the year and of I, our lord I didn't 2021 even process it yeah <laughs> 2022 whatever 
<laughs> Riley, you're second. Uh, this one, it this one pains me to put down here. Um, oh, I guess I should have done this the other way. Uh, this one would actually be my number three. I messed up the scoring. Uh, this was actually a three out of five, uh, and that's Godzilla versus Kong. Um, Godzilla was cool. Kong was cool. Kong the movie mm. itself's really cool. Yeah, Skull Island's great. Uh, but man, do they just know how to ruin a movie with people? Yeah, <laughs> real stinker. And the action. So I should mention this one got bumped off my list because I remembered the Paranormal Activity movie. Uh, but this one was originally my number three on my bottom three because it just it stunk. Get get Millie Bobby Brown out of movies. That's what I gotta yeah. say. <laughs> I feel like that the Godzilla versus Kong or any Godzilla movie, American Godzilla movie, would be like the perfect avenue for like unknown actors. Yeah, but that's, to like that's what throw, it should be. Throw quote unquote it actors. You know, like, who's the hot actor? Let's throw them in this. And then you have to focus on them because it's their, in their fucking contract. And it just takes the whole movie down. Yeah. Yeah, you might as well put Shawn Mendes in that movie. <laughs> like, the the only person I've enjoyed in these, these Godzilla movies, the American ones, um, is Ken Watanabe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's the only one with the right kind of like screen presence and just like he gives he gives enough gravitas to these moments that he's given. And then you have people like um, Bradley Whitford just sucking all of the energy out of that scene. It's because the Ken Watanabe parts are actually the people like sitting and debating what to do about Godzilla. Yeah. Everything, all, like all the other actors, it's like, well, yeah, there's a Godzilla, but what about our family problems? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I it's think... It's like it... Oh, go ahead, Ty. No, I was just going to say, like, his his role, like, his lines, his dialogue, everything would fit in so well with Shin Godzilla. Mm-hmm. When, because that movie, that entire movie is debating how do we handle the Godzilla problem. I also think, like, Ken Watanabe is the only one who gives Godzilla, like, the respect he's due, like, in the movie. Yeah. Everybody else is like, what are we going to do about this big fucking lizard? And Ken Watanabe is like, mm-hmm. Godzilla is the king, and we need to respect yeah. him. And we need to figure out how to old, get him what uh, he wants. You know what I mean? Old Friday Night Lights coach saying, Godzilla's hurting people, and we don't know why. <laughs> what does he want? <laughs> it's... It's Godzilla. Like it's a force of nature, and you don't ask why an earthquake strikes a city. It's it's like that same thing. You treat it with reverence and fear, and yeah. Godzilla would like. God damn! Do I wish I could get my family back together? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't even know whose turn is it. It's yours, Jeff. Um, So my I have four movies that ended up in this category. The one I think I'm going to pick next is the newest Suicide Squad. Um, really? No, yeah, no shade to anybody who likes it. It just, it does not work for me. I think there's something with me and current James Gunn that just doesn't vibe. I don't know what it is. Um, 
James Gunn, I think, like, was allowed to watch the last one. And he's like, what if we threw a couple more curse words and some explosions in? And that's what that movie felt like to me. It didn't feel... Yeah. It didn't feel organic. It wasn't, like... It wasn't that it wasn't silly enough, right? Like, it was plenty silly. It was just... I don't know. There was just something about it that didn't vibe for me. I, I, I liked it. I would say I think it would have been received better had the first one not been made so close to this one. Maybe. I think if this was your original run at it... Well, so I never watched the first Suicide Squad, and I did watch this one, and it kind of... It didn't hit my bottom three, but it was one that just didn't really work for me. I think... And I think this is a totally... Like, your results may vary for this movie because I found it grating. Like, I found the dialogue and, like, the choices they made like grading where I'm like, Ugh. like, you know what I mean? That I felt cringeworthy watching the movie. And I think that's mm-hmm. specifically about the James Gunn writing, right? I thought the action was great. The cast is great. I think all of them like performed their roles the way that they should have, right? Like Harley Quinn's great. Uh, there's, there was just something about the mix that just didn't sit right with me that I just wasn't interested in. Yeah. I, I am with you. So that brings us around to our bottom movie of the year. And folks, I'm going to throw a name out there. Uh, don't know if you remember a movie called The Little Things. <laughs> that came out this year, and boy, does it stink. And this was marketed as like HBO's like first big movie, wasn't it? Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this was a movie that the script was written in the 90s and it was never produced and then they finally decided to make it and it, <laughs> it it's just like it's a bad zodiac so let me ask you this cuz uh, this movie for me is well bad zodiac and bad seven this is just outside of my bottom right so this is probably the next lowest on my list but what i'm curious about is if they took out Rami Malek's character and put a competent person in does the movie go up for you or do you feel like it's problems are outside that like do you feel like it's problems it's are outside plot? that okay it's plot it's it's plot it's everyone's dialogue um Jared Leto I liked actually a lot I thought he did his stuff really well did you like Denzel uh, or no no really okay. Denzel yeah Denzel was just he was flat for me and it just I don't know why it it just didn't carry anything for me see I didn't... and i think it has to do with a lot of the dialogue like denzel's emphasis on it's the little things that get you caught like his whole monologue that he does over and over again and just the the way they wrote him and it just they didn't give him anything good to work with see my thought is whenever it's just denzel on the screen and he's just like allowed to like be moody or whatever i like that stuff and i like the interactions with with leto but anytime rami malik gets involved at all either the way they wrote him or the way he's acting it or whatever just like bombs it for me and like the ending i totally understand why everybody's like that's stupid right and it's mostly just because it's been like done before and you can see it coming a million miles away but i didn't like hate it as a device necessarily i just think the way they did it was really ham-fisted i think there's a really mm-hmm. good movie in this 
that with a couple of and, tweaks, this movie could be great, but it, it, they just didn't do them. And that's why I think I got so mad about it because Maybe. there are so many things they could have done and they do the exact opposite good thing. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> they like, they just, they find what the good choice is and then they do the, just the exact opposite. <laughs> uh, Riley, your number or bottom one. All right. This movie came out in the first pump of 2021. Uh, the first pump <laughs> is that not is that not something people use? What length of time is a pump? Is not in this film. Is that relative? <laughs> so for some of us, it's a long time. For some of us, it's not. Say the movie. Uh, coming in at two stars, uh, this Netflix movie was Outside the Wire, starring Anthony Mackie. Um, Jeff, I think you summed it up best with a... You had some recent review on a Netflix movie where it's like... Oh, the harder they fall? Yeah, the Netflix kind of just does this thing where it just it kind of throws darts at different things on the wall and makes a movie and it, it just has no depth at all. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Mackie plays a, uh, like a mercenary cyborg guy, uh, which is never really relevant to the movie. Uh, he's just a robot for some reason. <laughs> uh, they try to make it twisty. Uh, but it doesn't really work at all. <laughs> it's just it's just a very bland action movie. Yeah. Like I think if they made this movie in 1997, it would be Steven Seagal. Got it. Okay. It's that it's that kind, that of, kind of action movie. movie. Yeah. Like if we were in the pre-Netflix era and we were just on like these weird like straight to DVD releases, Anthony Mackie's role would 100% be some UFC fighter. Yeah. 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 Totally. All right. Jeff, your bottom movie of the year. So this kind of, you know, leads me and I have the same type of thing. It's a Netflix movie with a great cast and it's a great idea and the execution of it sucks. Did I blow up your spot? No, it's totally fine. So my, my, it's hard to say this is my bottom, but it's in the bottom three, right? So the harder they fall on Netflix um, has a great all-black cast. Um, it's sort of like a cowboy, like, posse movie trying to, like, get back the people who, like, killed his parents type of thing. And it's so... It is so flat. Like, the there's some really cool, like, cartoonish, like, Django-style violence in it that's really cool. But all of the dialogue is so dumb. There's a scene where two of the main characters are, like, about to have sex or, like, are having sex or whatever, and someone else, like, bursts through the door with, like, news. And he's like, oh, sorry, y'all was making sex? And you're like, what the fuck is that line and that delivery? And what the fuck is this movie doing? And so I totally agree with you, Riley. This is another movie that to me, and I actually don't, I should go back and see. I'm pretty sure it is a Netflix-produced movie. So it wasn't like it was made and Netflix bought it. It's a Netflix produced movie, and when you when you watch a Netflix produced movie, with a couple of exceptions, 
It just feels like the script is the very last thing they put money into, and it's always garbage, and it just makes the rest of the movie suck ass. Like you, well, it's, it, like it's, an, it, it's like an AI-generated yes, blockbuster. Yes, absolutely. And I would believe that, that they just like, they're like, if we get these, this cast, we'll get this engagement, we're guaranteed to get probably at least this many views, you know what I mean? And like, that's a success for us. If we just get good streaming and it makes people like want to come and get a subscription, but it's just like the it, the movie is just bad. It's just bad, and I it actually has like I went and looked at it. I think I'm probably one of the people that's lower on it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's average rating on Letterbox is a three point six, which is pretty high. Hmm. Like a lot of people that's, I think yeah. really like this movie, and I don't I don't know. Like, listen, there are movies that work for other people and don't work for me. This is a movie that I have a hard time understanding its redeemable qualities. Um, maybe if you I mean, don't get a lot, I don't know. A lot of people, you can throw on a modern Western and it just works. And it like a lot of people just see Western, cool, just kind of shut off and vibe with it for a while. Like I've done that with stuff before, but yeah, I, I haven't seen this one. I do want to. Uh, give it a watch eventually and then just kind of weigh in on it but yeah everything you said just sounded really disappointing because i had so much hope for it because the cast is great right right all right so let's let's pull the nose up and let's start getting positive we are we're putting the negative negativity behind us and it's all the stuff that we liked from 2021 now riley what is our next category so our next category is going to be your favorite non-2021 first watch. Jeff, I don't think you've started a category for us yet, <clears throat> so go ahead. Ooh, I'm very excited to talk about this one. Um, I think I've probably talked about it on a previous episode, but my favorite non-2021 watch was Cure. Um, so th- oh. Yeah, so this is uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, I had always heard really good things about it, but it's it's really hard to find. Like, you can only stream it on um, Criterion Channel um, on their streaming app. And so I specifically got um, a subscription just for Cure. Um, it's essentially like a, a foreign... Um, it's a Japanese language movie, um, and there's basically like a series of gruesome murders that are happening, but like each time the person who like committed the murder is in like a fugue state and they like don't remember committing the murder. So then there's a, a detective who's basically like, there's something else here. And it is, it is just great. I mean, it, think Seven and Zodiac, right? I really need to watch it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's from 1997, um, and it's just like it's got so much good tension, and a lot of it is just conversation. Um, but the way that they do it and the way it's all stitched together is very very compelling. So I definitely would recommend it to anybody to watch it. That's Cure by Kyoshi Kurosawa. You can get it on Criterion Channel. That and that's on my list. I really need to catch it. Uh, Similarly, it kind of makes me think this one is an honorable mention for me, uh, but Memories of Murder, I did watch for the first time this year, and it's 
incredible, but it is not my favorite non-2021 first-time watch. That one is going to go to Andre Zulowski's Possession, uh, which is talked about so frequently in so many horror circles, and it is unbelievable. I went to go see it with friend of the pod, Brendan, from Debates on Tap. Uh, We saw it in the small theater at Screenland, and it is wild. It is a small, uh, you know, like it's a small-scale uh, cosmic horror story, uh, but the first half is just like a harrowing relationship drama. Like you don't even get into the actual like supernatural or cosmic elements until midway through the second act. But the first half of the movie is just so like it's very raw. And then to to speak like somewhat personally, there are scenes like obviously the um, the subway station scene is probably what goes down as the most iconic scene from this movie. But so much of this, when when she is screaming and, like, thrashing and freaking out, like, it gave me so much anxiety. Like, it is the, it's the exact same feeling I have when I'm having a panic attack. Like, just the, like, overwhelming, like, need to get out from somewhere. I have never seen it captured so evocatively on screen and it just it hit me in such a significant way and i loved this movie it was so good it was so so good yeah that was a, a first time watch for me this year as well um and i i'm the same with you I, it wasn't one of my like favorite new watches of the year um i'm a, maybe a little bit lower just cuz I think it's more up your alley than mine, but it's still—it definitely is. It's still incredible, and it is still like one of the most thought-provoking movies I've ever seen. So I definitely agree with you that it's—it's it's something that everybody should watch at least once. Riley, have you—you you haven't seen Possession yet, have you? I have not seen yeah. it. No. Okay. I'd say it—it's worth having under your belt just so that you know. Like, it's the kind of movie that makes me glad movies like it exist. Yeah. Yeah. It is so specific and so much its own thing that, you know, I don't think it will be touched ever again. And it does it does have a narrative thread. It's not like it's just this avant-garde, like, no connection type of thing. But the second half gets very, like, choppy. You know what I mean? And there's lots of stuff mm-hmm. that happens that is, that is a little bit more of the avant-garde side. All right. Uh, to wrap us up, I am going to go... With one cut of the dead. Oh, I forgot that was your first time this year. Yeah. And man, oh man, what a movie this was. Um, Caitlin and I both just loved it. Um, We will watch it every year for sure. Um, Jeff, I don't think you've watched it, have you? I haven't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to, I don't, I really don't want to talk about it then. You would Um, enjoy it a lot. Yeah. The way you like movies like Scream. Uh, like it it does for zombies very similarly what scream does for slashers got it okay yeah i mean it's been on my list to watch for a long time i think it's, on, it's just so much fun i think it's on shutter yeah. right it is yeah so it's something i'll i'll probably visit sometime this month mm-hmm. sweet all right so moving into our next category we have your most who the hell is this for experience of the year? Ty, why don't you start us? I will start us off, and uh, Possession could be a strong contender for this, but 
the my movie that wins this award is not because of the movie itself, but it my experience going to see it, which is you know what this category is for. Um, I decided when I went to go see the Green Knight, I was seeing it at a chain. I was not seeing it at our uh, family favorite Screenland Armor. Uh, I saw it at a chain uh, to not be named, so I will not be banned. Um, and I was like, you know what? Instead of paying $17 for a theater beer, uh, which I would happily do at Screenland, for the record, and also they're not that much. They're very affordable. Go watch movies at Screenland, please. Um, but instead of paying $17 for a theater beer, I was like, I'll just bring in a couple of these shooters and put them in a soda. And so I, I'm, I get my ticket, or I print off my ticket, I go, I get my soda, I go to the bathroom to put my shooters in and I am a very anxious and paranoid person. So, um, I had a, uh, half and half orange soda and Mountain Dew. Um, and I was just putting in, so I can't even remember what I got to dump in there. Um, so I did, and, uh, I was very anxious and paranoid, so I'm not doing it on the counter. I'm doing it in the stall. (laughs) And as I'm like, as I'm like opening my thing, I set my drink down on the uh, toilet paper holder, and that's I thought it was flat, but there's just a very imperceptible <laughs> incline <laughs> that I sat I sat it and then just watched it fall straight down to the floor <laughs> and <laughs> spill all over the entire bathroom. I am not proud of myself. I <laughs> I am not made for that life, the rough and tumble life of sneaking things into a theater. That's why I don't do it. Um, and I proceeded to go and sit down and watch the Green Knight, just anxious as hell that somebody was going to come find me and throw me out of the uh, the theater. And I was in there with like paper towels, like trying to like clean up a 32 ounce soda. Had you poured the booze yet? No, I had not. Oh, okay. So the the bathroom didn't just reek of alcohol. No, it did not. It was just very sticky. <laughs> That's a, the I can picture exactly hey, what's happening. You know what? You know what though? You vandalized a movie chain. So kudos to you. <laughs> See, the worst part is that I like was late to start the movie because I was had handfuls of paper towels just cleaning it all up. <laughs> I'm I'm not made for this life. Like, it'd be th- I I just can't do it. It'd be funner if you just left the theater. You're just like, uh, <laughs> I already bought my ticket, but I spilled it all over the bathroom. <laughs> Shoes just bright orange. <laughs> just making like sticky step sounds. Well, there's nothing on the tops of my shoes, but walking through the theater, I was just sticking the entire. <laughs> Oh man! Which then followed. Also, at the end of my screening, Green Knight, I was walking out with a behind a family who just like, "What the hell was that?" I'll never. Oh, the family that hated it. That's right. Yeah, I'll never understand going into movies blind. Like, I get the idea of like, oh, you get the premise, but you don't want to learn a lot about it because you don't want it to be spoiled. But if you have a family who just goes in blind to, like, a rated R movie, like, what are you doing? You, I can maybe understand, like, a like a going in blind PG-13, but, like, this is an R 
Like, what do you expect is going to happen? Like, you yeah, there was a family of child or a mother and two small children at my screening of Licorice Pizza. Yeah, people are stupid, man. I they're just I don't understand that at all. Anyways. All right, Riley, your most who the hell is this for experience of the year? Oh man, yeah, I'm gonna go uh, 1971's Wake and Fright. Ooh. Um, I can only describe it as an Australian fever dream. <laughs> uh, you get going, things get just really weird, and you're like, "What the hell is happening?" And you do, and you ride that wave for a while, and then it's just kind of over, and you're like, "What the fuck?" But you love it. I thought about that movie for like the next month. Like it just stuck with me. I love it. I mean, so it, much it, more. I've I've started to realize that the movies I really like and the ones I consider the best movies and my favorite movies are the ones I find myself thinking about for days at a time afterwards. Sorry, yeah. I cut you off there. there but. No, I just yeah. I mean, it's it's mainly because there's there is one very disturbing scene um, that will not. If you haven't seen it, it's not going to sit well with everyone. Um, but man, our boy Donald Pleasance. Does yes. he have a performance, an all-time performance in this one? God. God love him. I, I would recommend it if you guys can find it. I think I think I rented that one. It is on Amazon, but only for rent. Got it. I'm going to have to do that. What's the, you have to remind me, what's the premise? Um, here, I have the synopsis. I have it pulled up right here. Um, Wake and Fright is the story of John Grant, a bonded teacher who arrives in the rough outback mining town of, I, it's an Australian town, um, planning to stay overnight before catching the plane to Sydney. But as one night stretches, hold on, you're asking a lot of my eyes at eight o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> Got to get but your But as one night on. stretches into several, he plunges uh, headfirst into his own <laughs> destruction. And basically, it's this guy, uh, this like this teacher. You, apparently, in Australia, you do bond work out in the boonies to teach the, I don't know the the less fortunate kids for a year before you can teach at like a university. Um, and basically he gets stuck out there and it's his descent into madness. And Ty, you would really like it. It, it I, sounds exactly sure. up my alley. Um, but yeah, man, did I sit there and think, and that movie really stuck with me. So. All right, Jeff, give us yours. <clears throat> All right. Well, mine is actually from 2021 and it is the aforementioned uh, Titan. Um, we've never learned exactly how to say it. Titan. Um, so I don't know if you guys like really know the premise of Titan at all. I'm v- intimately familiar with the premise at this point. Okay, yeah, I think I've texted you guys about it. Um, I'll just explain. Uh, the, even the even the stuff on Letterbox is incorrect. Um, well, I guess I shouldn't say intimately familiar. I'm just aware of the car element because that's everything everyone drilled into my head seeing early reactions to it. Yeah. So I'll say three things about the movie that I hope don't spoil the plot. Um, there is 
a car show dancer who has an intimate relationship with a car, commits some murders, and assumes somebody else's identity. Um, and that's the basic plot of the movie that I could not begin to explain why this movie is so strange without breaking other parts of the plot. Um, there is a ton of body horror, like a ton, ton. Um, it's directed by, and I'm going to mess up the last name because it's French, but it's directed by Julia DeCorno, um, who did Raw. It's the same director who did Raw, which was my... Which you also really liked, Yeah, that right? was my other, like, if I hadn't watched Cure this year, that would have been my number one non-2021 pick. I loved Raw. Raw is also a ton of body horror. It's essentially like a, a young student who is like a vegetarian, goes to vet school, and they make her eat like rabbit brain as part of like a hazing ritual. And then she starts to get the craving for like human flesh, basically. Um, Raw is great. Titan is, is good, but it is too weird for me, I think, to truly recommend it to people. Uh, if you watch it, I'll talk to you about it. But I don't know that I would be like, yeah, you know what movie you should watch? Titan. So you're, you're worried what people will think after you recommend yeah. and they go watch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is a movie that you can only recommend to very specific people you already know really, really well. That's it. Yeah. I When I do watch it, because I haven't watched Raw yet either, but I hope to catch it pretty soon. Um, I think we'll flip-flop. I think I'm going to really love this, and I'll like Raw a lot. But I think I'll end up liking this one more than you did, and you will like Raw more than I do, I think. We'll see. We'll see. Well, Yeah. All right. That closes out that category. Uh, Riley, what is our next one? All right. We are going into a uh, very popular topic on this podcast. We are going into favorite score. Um, I think it's my turn to start us off here. Let me get back to my notes. And are we doing three, two, one? Yeah. Okay. Oh, we're doing three scores. Well, if, if I didn't know what you guys had, I only had one, but I have a couple I could talk about. Oh, but if we're there, doing one, I, I'll just do there one. There was one That's clear winner me. for me. Uh, my number one's Demon Slayer Mugen Train. Ooh. <laughs> So it's good. If we um, did three, that would have been my number three, I think. Yeah, that it's one of my three. I could have probably taken another one for a legitimate pick, but I'm rolling with it's, this. I one. still think Demon Slayer is a good pick, though. Uh, the, oh, yeah. The no, music they have in there is strong, especially because a lot of those motifs have started to come up through the following arc. Um, yes. And it's yeah. Oh, man. Jeff, your favorite score of the year. Um, for me, this is, it's like hands down, nothing even gets close, and that is Dune. I have yeah. I have listened yeah. to the soundtrack by itself probably 20 times, like all the way through. Um, it is incredible. This is a hot take. It's my favorite Hans Zimmer score ever. Um, Interesting. Which... He's got a catalog, but this is still coupled with how it hit in the theater and how it enhances all the scenes in the movie. It's great on its own as just mood building music, but coupled with these like big vistas and images and stuff like that, it is just incredible. 
Um, so yeah, for me, hands down, Dune wins this one. That was yeah. going to be my other pick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that would be my number two. And then my one, there for me, there is a clear clear winner and everybody can guess it coming in halloween kills yeah that was my other one so yeah (laughs) is my best score of the year it is carpenter's best iteration of the halloween theme in my opinion um it brings in are you saying like after the original or does it beat the original in your mind okay it's hard to say I mean, the original was a completely new thing. It was its own thing, and everything else has built off of it. But this one, I will say that it's my favorite since the original. Okay. Um, Because it builds so many of the elements. Um, It pulls a lot of the kind of like bubbly, floaty synth from the Halloween 2 theme, as well as it adds this incredible choral backing to it which is so cool it's my favorite thing carpenter has done with it since he gave us the original and all of the muse the other music through the movie is fantastic it's some of carpenter's best work overall and i haven't seen anything about it but i think we discussed it and i think the the choral section you're talking about um i've listened to the original or where it was, we think it was sampled from, and I am almost certain that it is the Prince of Darkness. Uh, I I think he pulled. Section. Yeah, I think it sounds, if not directly pulled, it's inspired. It's inspired by his Prince of Darkness work. Yeah, it, it it was. If it's not, it's hey, remember this section from Prince of Darkness? Let's do that in here. Yeah. Oh man, what just what a score! Yeah, well, I'm glad all three of mine made it. So yeah, <laughs> and they would have been mine too, which is yeah, also kind of so. why I figured we just did one because all our bases were covered. Yep. All right. With that finished, we are going to move to favorite scene. Now, how many do you guys have for this one? Well, <laughs> all right. I think Ty said he has about 10 to 12. <laughs> I have 10. Three. I have three as well. So I am going to, I'm going to knock out a bunch. Um, and I won't talk about, should we, I won't talk about them. You guys do yours. Uh, so we should do ours first. If you're going to do a big list, we'll do all of them. We'll do all of them. We'll do our round Robin and then I'll give my honorable mentions at the end. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, like a rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff, so why don't you go is, ahead? Yep. All right. Um, so we haven't talked about the empty man yet. Um, there was a lot of debate at the yep. beginning of this episode yep. as to whether or not Empty Man counted for 2021. I think it officially came out right at the very end of 2020, but nobody saw it. It got dumped in October. Yeah. yeah, nobody saw it, and so we all saw it in 2021. So we're going to cheat a little bit and say 2021 for Empty Man. Um, but even within Empty Man, I have a hard time picking between two. Um, there is the entire cold open, which is like 20 minutes, which feels like cheating. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say the scene that gave me the most goosebumps in Empty yeah. Man is the campfire scene. Yeah, that scene yeah. Where the light turns off and they all stop and stare at him at the same time. And he takes a step back and they all take a step forward that's 
so that movie, good. Wow, that scene is so good. It's 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 one of the I don't know a horror movie. There's so many things that are done in horror movies that have been done in other horror movies, right? It's very hard mm-hmm. sometimes to do things new, right? And I don't even know that that's new, but it's the best I've ever seen it, right? Um, yeah. And it's it's the that is an all time horror scene. Just like the goosebumps that you get from like one beat to the next beat to the final beat, where you're just like, oh shit! Like that's so rare to get that in a horror uh-huh. movie these days definitely just especially for like we have all seen so many right and so yeah there are so many scenes that you're like oh that was done really well but it didn't really scare me because i've seen it and like i probably have seen that before but man that made me shit my pants that was so good so that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. scenes of the year that that one was on my honorable mentions list as well as the cold open um so my number three, so this is my official number three, something we've seen a lot in movies. Well, I should clarify. I should start with uh, this one is on my list because of how it made me feel, how it worked in the movie, and everything I learned afterwards that made me respect it even more. So a big thing we've seen is the digital recreation of actors past etc bringing back people in roles in a full cgi recreation and then you get halloween kills and there is a scene that takes us back to 1970s and my jaw was on the floor when we see the return of dr loomis i i had an audible gasp yeah and to know that it wasn't it wasn't cg it was the first thing i looked up when we got out of the theater because I was either going to feel gross or pretty good about it, depending on what they did. And it was it was just a guy they had on the crew that looked a lot like Dr. Loomis. They put him in makeup, uh, and or a lot like Donald Pleasance, put him in Dr. Loomis makeup. And just the way they set up that scene, the context it hit, it just, it was... I know nostalgia is overplayed, but just that experience of seeing Loomis again on screen was unbelievable. I agree. That's a great one. That's a really, really good one. I have an honorable mention from Halloween Kills that we can talk about later as well. Yeah. Riley, you're number three. My number three actually comes from Halloween Kills. Um, and that is going to be the Michael versus Haddonfield scene. Um Part one, him getting his ass beat, and part two, him getting revenge. <laughs> um, just good old-fashioned visceral violence. Uh, kudos to everyone in Haddonfield for not, like, shooting it. Like, you know, not a lot of guns, just <laughs> blunt objects. Bringing beating, an iron. <laughs> yeah, just beating the hell out of him. Uh, oh, it was just awesome. And then he flips it on him and beating the hell out of a 70 year old man (laughs) (laughs) blind half blind 70 year old man burn victim what's really great about that scene is that it finally establishes that like it the new movies have really towed the line but it Mm -hmm. finally establishes michael is supernatural there is something otherworldly happening with michael myers and don't they don't they mention that like each time he gets stronger. Mm-hmm. So Michael Myers is a Saiyan. 
Yes, Michael Myers is the as same. he gets closer. The closer he gets to death, the stronger he becomes when he recovers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Jeff, let's hear your number two. Um, you know, a film we haven't talked about yet is um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, yeah, and that that film is full of moments. But there's a moment that's in the trailer that's also equally just as good in the movie, and that's when um, there, he's doing the the Fred Hampton speech, like right after he gets out of mm-hmm. jail, and it's like you can kill a revolutionary, but you can't kill a revolution. Even in the movie, in the context of what's happening, it was a great scene. Um, it is, and it's a movie that does feel a little Oscar Beatty, but it's it's still really good. Um, I gave it a four out of five stars. It's a movie that I really want to revisit um, and watch again. But the the scenes where he is just allowed to be kind of the the young, fiery Fred Hampton are really, really fun. Um, and I think he will get some buzz. It, it kind of came out too early, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, it was really and, good. And that was and one I that wanted to put. Under... Go ahead, Riley. I was going to say, I wanted to put a couple scenes from that one, but I had such a tough time remembering it because it came out so early. Um, I think it came out in February of last year. So yeah, it's just hard to pull anything from that yep. without rewatching. Yeah. And Catherine and I missed it and we just haven't gotten back to it. It is one we really want to see. Um, and one I should have mentioned of, uh, one of the ones I was disappointed I missed in 2021. But very excited to see it because that's Daniel Kaluuya doing Fred Hampton, correct? Yes. Yes. And our thinking Jesse Plemons. <laughs> yes. But, dude, Kaluuya is just an incredible actor. He is. Oh, yeah. So, so good, man. There's a movie. He's he's one of our best current talents, I feel like. I like, agree. this generation of actors, top of the top. So there's a heist movie that you guys have maybe seen a scene from, um, like, on is this widows widows yeah where he's like really really intense and that movie as a whole is a little uneven like the plot is kind of a little fantastical to believe but it's a movie that like i more and more want to go back and watch it's in the library if you guys ever want to check it out um and he is incredible in that regardless of how the rest of the movie kind of lands right on fantastic my number two uh, comes from the Nicolas Cage 2021 vehicle Pig, which a lot of people, they didn't know what they were getting. Um, and then I heard those reactions and thought I knew what I was getting and still didn't know what I was getting. And there is a scene at the end of Pig that really kicks off the final scene in general and ties it all together. But the scene where Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf are cooking a meal together is and it they don't tell you why they are cooking the meal until you get to the scene of them serving the meal but even just that in itself it's treated with such care and so like it made me emotional just watching that and then that sets up just a real like heavy hitter of an emotional scene that had me like sobbing mm-hmm. it is the hardest a movie has hit me in years and like i you know, I tear up at movies a lot. That's no secret. We talk about it all the time that movies and well-made movies make me emotional. But this is 
beyond that even. It it hit me so hard. And now the way I describe that, I'm now realizing my number one is going to sound really dumb in comparison, but <laughs> I can't wait. Riley, your number two. Uh, another tearjerker. Oh, wait, no. Is it my number two? Oh, yeah. number two. That's right. Okay. Never mind. Not a tearjerker. Um, the movie that has not been brought up in our 2021 conversation. Oh, no. And that is the jail cell scene in Malignant. Oh, yes. I was hey, can I go ahead that. and can I go ahead and give my number one? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yep. Uh, the introduction of Times Person of the Year, Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> folks, we love Gabriel, don't we? We love Gabriel, don't we, folks? Kung Fu Master Gabriel. Back at the head, uh, the just head of the class. Snapping bones, taking names. The jail cell scene, um, you you can start and I'll kind of hop in because no, yeah, go that's ahead. my favorite. Go ahead. <laughs> it's that movie because everybody's like, oh yeah, I saw the twist coming. Um, and so like you, if you're looking for it, they show you from the very first scene, but you don't know. You are questioning yourself the entire time of this is, is this the direction they're going to go? And then you hit a point in the jail cell scene in malignant where you're getting flashbacks you're getting them watching home videos and you get the reveal of gabriel being a frank hennenlotter basket case little monster on the back of her body <laughs> and then going full just kung fu and the entire time that scene is happening i was just they're gonna do it they're gonna do it they're doing it they're doing it they're doing it and it happens and i was so thrilled it's the most fun i've had with a horror movie it's absolutely it's, it's so good <laughs> it's just so much fun they just go for it and nail it <laughs> jeff you're number one honestly i'm having a really hard time with my number one um there are lots of different little vignettes in the french dispatch that are really good um so i'm gonna throw one out and then i'm gonna talk about a different scene but there's a scene so the French Dispatch, the, the premise of it is that it's essentially three vignettes, three different stories within a single film, and they're all base, basically these articles that uh, an artist is writing. And there's one that's largely about, like, young revolutionaries and, like, kids going off to war and stuff like that. And there's, like, a scene uh, within that where, like, a soldier decides he's going to desert, basically. I'm not spoiling anything really with this, but there's like a really poignant, like actually very serious thing about like young people in war that's like really, really beautiful. Um, and when you guys actually eventually watch about it, I, I want to talk to you guys about it. But since you guys haven't seen that, I'm also going to talk about another movie you haven't seen, which is Nobody, which is a very big tonal shift from what I was talking about. <laughs> um, and it's an incredibly violent Bob Odenkirk movie where he is secretly like a super spy and he gets on a bus and he's really pissed off and he's like just been in a different fight or something like that and there's these like teenagers who are being hooligans and he gets his ass kicked and then he keeps getting back on the bus and like fighting them again and then like they they fight him again and he fights them and they throw him off the bus and he like gets back on and it's it's essentially like like rocky or like fight club when he like is getting his ass beat but he like loves it and it's just Bob Odenkirk in that role, 
which is <laughs> both great and hilarious. Like it, the movie actually works well enough that it doesn't seem like a comedy when Bob Odenkirk is doing the action. Like it's pretty well shot and it's pretty well done. Um, so the bus scene from Nobody is is probably my best scene of the year, and that's largely because I couldn't land a single scene from French Dispatch or Dune, even though I like those movies better. Yeah. Yeah, and I already talked about my number one, so Riley, go ahead. And I think I know where you're going. Uh, yeah, mine is Demon Slayer, Rengoku yeah. versus Akaza. <laughs> yeah. Um, man, first it starts you off with just an incredible uh, fight scene. Um, and, well... I'm like, I guess spoilers don't really matter at this point. We've spoiled bigger things already. Now. Oh man! And then they just rip your heart out and kill Rengoku after you've just fallen in love with this character throughout the movie. Um, extremely emotional, but and they man, let you think scene. they let you think he pulls it out too. Yeah. But oh. then he gets he gets the the warrior's death and. Man, it's just wow. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, that was number five on my list. Yeah. So Ty, you had a bunch. So go yeah. ahead and fire them off. <clears throat> so uh, I've got the White Rabbit montage from Matrix Resurrections, um, where Neo, they Neo is still Thomas Anderson uh, in Matrix Resurrections, and when they are talking about bringing the video game back. All of this stuff talking about bringing the Matrix back, doing this, doing that, what people want, what the Matrix means. And like it got me emotional just because that that scene is Lana Wachowski evaluating the legacy of the Matrix and how people have misread the Matrix, what the Matrix means to her. I was like, I was so blown away by what that was and uh, Neo as the stand in there. And then the Rengoku and Akaza scene, obviously, just incredible. Um, the truck in Licorice Pizza, if you have seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But there is a scene where uh, Alana and Cooper have to haul ass and get out of there. Um, Cooper, uh, oh, I forget his name. Gary, Gary Valentine. Um, I, it threw me off because her name is still Alana. Uh, but they run out of gas in a truck, and she drives it backwards down a hill in San Francisco in the dark. And it's such a tense scene. It's so well put together. Uh, the cold open of The Empty Man. Uh, Gawain's dream in the Green Chapel in The Green Knight. Uh, seeing the worm for the first time in Dune. And then uh, there is a scene in Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. I did want to mention this. Movie itself... Did not work for me. But one scene at the end of everything, um, you know, people escape, people get off of this farm, this compound, and then the police show up and it's body cam footage now. And uh, everything is on fire and it's just chaos. And it, it's like hell on earth. Like the cops are like scanning and there's like somebody walking by like on fire screaming. And there is somebody who has either had their eyes dug out or dug their own eyes out, but they're just like arms out wide, like laughing and doing like an Amish dance. Um, and just like all of this chaos that is happening, it's carnage. It's very good. Well, that um, sounds cool. Yeah. So that uh, the rest of the, the movie, rest of the movies 
bland. Yeah. Uh, so if the rest of the movie really had the elements that were there in that scene, would be amazing. But really, they were just there in that. Damn. And yeah, so those are all the scenes that I really just really wanted to talk about. I could go on can I, about even more. Can I throw one more out? Absolutely. Um, I actually think at the beginning of Halloween Kills, when he kills the older couple, is like a really good scene. Um, and the reason I really like it is at the very end when like the woman is kind of dying on the ground and like Michael is like doing the robotic thing where he like goes and grabs a knife and turns and stabs it into the back of the man that's already dead and then goes back and grabs another one. There was something about that that like was a great like visceral beginning to the movie for me personally Mm -hmm. that I was like, oh, I know the direction this movie is now going to go in. And that I think is I really like that scene for some reason. Well, that also involves a busted fluorescent tube light. Yeah, uh, that is just right to the throat. Gnarly scene. And what a way to kick off your movie. So is this the big one now, Riley? No, we are on to final performance. Oh, that's right. That's right. Favorite performance. I'd like to go last on this one. Okay, so that would be Jeff first. Yeah, so I've thought a lot about a lot about this, and there are a lot of characters in different movies that I really liked. Um, I really liked um, Timothy Chalamet in Dune. I thought he was a great, um, great Paul Atreides. I really liked uh, Duke Leto, like uh, having Oscar Isaac in that role as well. <laughs> I know, I understand. I'm just keeping doing. But for my actual best performance of the year, I, I you have to give it to Nicolas Cage and Pig. For me personally, I think it's the best. Well, I, I have not seen every Cage film, including a lot of his like younger ones. But mm. it is probably my favorite Cage performance because it's actually a vehicle for him to show like how good he is as an actor. And I think it forces a lot of the people who like don't watch a lot of Nicolas Cage and only view him as a joke to take him seriously. Even though in those movies... He's still incredible because he can be anybody he wants to. And I just thought this was such a good grounded performance that I was just so happy for him to be able to show that to other people who think he can only do, you know, the million miles a minute Nick Cage. It's such a great role for him. And I can't imagine anybody else in that role. Yeah, he gives it such gravitas. You know what I mean? It's it's a really good performance. Uh, My number three is a Dev Patel in The Green Knight. Are we doing three? Oh, no, was it, that your one? performance is just one. It's just one. Oh, it's just one? Okay, okay, then... Like, that can't be my number three. Okay. That was my number one. <laughs> okay, okay. I was surprised if it was your number one, because uh, I will... Or if it was your number three, because it was my number one until I was playing catch-up, and I watched The Night House, uh, which is a horror movie... Uh, came out late 2021 um like quarter three quarter four i didn't get to it until now i rented it over the weekend and it is about a woman whose husband kills himself with a gun she didn't know they owned and he was an architect he finds some weird plans um for a house that isn't theirs um and after he dies and she is giving it her all like it is unbelievable. It's 
some scenes, if handled a hair differently, would be just so absurd or just over the top. But she hits this, the right amount of emotion and gives it so much pathos. So where something that would be absurd in anyone else's hands is just this really gripping, heavy, tender scene. And it's wild. I loved The Night House. Where, where can we find that one? Um, that one is a rental right now. You do okay. have to rent it. Uh, it's it's worth the worth the money. Uh, I think it was a five or six dollar rental in HD for me. I really really liked it. Um, I did also want to mention Nicolas Cage and Pig. Uh, incredible, so so good. Uh, the scenes we've talked about already were really good, but there is also an incredible scene where he is talking to a former kitchen employee of his. Uh, about that he fired and talking about why he didn't do the things he wanted to do and said he actually wanted to do. And it is some of the best dialogue Cage has ever delivered. It's so good. Totally. And great. then a shout out to Dev, Dev Patel as Gawain in The Green Knight. So Riley, you go ahead. All right. I did have Dev Patel um, until I decided to change this. Um because I'm going to this category, I'm dedicating to myself. Uh, because <laughs> I stuck with this guy when everyone hated these movies, and this is all I'm going to discuss about it. Everyone shit on Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man's <laughs> one and two. You know who stuck by those? This guy. I liked them both. Here we get to Far From or No Way Home, and he pops through his portal. He does do an awesome job in No Way Home, but then everyone's like, oh my God, Andrew Garfield, we gotta bring him back. When no, y'all sat there and shit on those movies constantly. So, performance of the year, me, for being right about Andrew Garfield. Well deserved. Take a bow. You you earned it, man. Um, I have a cheat that I'd like to throw in before we move on to the next category. Let's hear it. I know we aren't doing shows, um, but my favorite performance of the year was. Hold on, let me make sure I'm getting his name right. Uh, wait, is that right? Does it start with an H? No. Fuck. Uh, there we go. My favorite performance of the year is Hamish Linklater. It you, does start with an H. I knew it. Yeah. You might know him better as Father Paul Hill in Midnight Mass. That was my favorite performance of the year. It's cheating because it's a show. Uh, I've gone down and said that Midnight Mass... When I watched it, I don't know if I was as high as Tyler was. It has sat with me a little bit, and the the peaks of it are so so good that I would say that that's probably my favorite performance of the year. He was so. It has stayed good. that high with me the entire time. Incredible stuff. He was like, so good in that. As you know, as like somebody who has been like steeped in Catholicism, 
there were scenes in his homily and specific pieces of dialogue in certain episodes, specifically episode five, that shook me to my absolute core. Like it, he was a powerhouse of a performance. Yep. A, a couple other I want to shout out are Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim in Licorice Pizza. Uh, you don't really have one without the other. They're both great together. Um, Cooper Hoffman is a delight. It's so great seeing him on screen. It's like seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman again. It's He captures so much of his dad's energy. And I've seen people saying he doesn't have like charisma or star power, and I just don't get it. Like... He has every ounce of it that his dad had. And there, there is a scene where he is doing an audition for a commercial. And he's like doing an intro that he did when he was like a little kid actor. And doing it as a teenager. And he's just bombing. He's completely bombing and not reading the room at all. And he is giving it so much enthusiasm. And it's so, it felt like watching a Philip Seymour Hoffman scene. <laughs> So I I hope he has roles to come for years. Like he he has so much potential. And also I wanted to shout out Benedict Cumberbatch in The Power of the Dog. Really awesome stuff from him there. Oh, I I do have a TV honorable mention. Uh, Will Forte in the (laughs) MacGruber series. (laughs) Deserves recognition always. Have you finished the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I'm still only like partway through. I need to start it. It's so good. All right. That brings us to the main event of the evening. The big it, one. It is top three movies of the year. Uh, I will go ahead and start this one. Uh, number three, I had Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I think it came in at a four and a half for me. Um, I wish I could say more, but since I watched it a year ago, I have a tough time picking out specific things. I just remember it was just, I just thought it was incredible. Yep. Jeff, what about your number three? Um, my number three is pig. Um, I think it's something everyone should watch. Make sure you're ready for it. Cause it's going to make, it's <laughs> going to make you cry. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Um, but it is very good and definitely something everybody should watch. Uh, my number three, I came into this, I was still deciding between two. So my first honorable mention goes to power of the dog. And I, I can't get that little freak out of my head and (laughs) neither can the lead actress. Uh, and number three goes to malignant. (laughs) (laughs) It's God, (laughs) what an experience. Riley, you're number two. Um, number two, I'm going with Dune. Um, I would pro- I'm probably going to be smited by film Twitter to reveal that I watch Dune on an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, have you have you only seen Dune once? Yeah, yeah, I saw it on an iPad, like this close to my face. So <laughs> zoom in Pro, so that it was it a was nice square. My, the screen was bigger than my laptop. So all right. <laughs> Please, it's in the library. Please watch it on your TV. All right. All right. But I'm glad it landed. Hey, in Jeff, have you finished season one of Demon Slayer yet? Sure. <laughs> sure. Those, those demons were slow. Oh, man. 
Those Riley demons. will watch a Dune on the TV when you watch season one of Demon I've Slayer. I've watched it. Yeah. No, I watched it. I'm done with it. So thoughts on season two? <laughs> you know, I mean, those demons—they come back. <sighs> They're back at it again, aren't they, folks? <laughs> we thought we slayed them all. Nope. There's still some demons left. That's the thing about demons. <laughs> they keep getting old. <laughs> That's <didn't> save me. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Jeff, you're number two. Uh, My number two is French Dispatch. Um, This is a late entry, so I I just watched this like two days ago, I think, for the first, maybe yesterday? Shit. Um, And it is so good. Um, Obviously, it's got the three vignettes, so there's, there's a little bit of a narrative thread between the three of them, but it's just like Wes Anderson showing off. Um... Very similar to Grand Budapest Hotel in in both like how it looks and how it's structured and things like that. Um, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Everybody is on their A game. Uh, Benicio del Toro is fantastic. Um, Timothy Chalamet, Francis McDormand. I mean, it is. It's just a lights out. It's so so good. It would be my number one. Have my number one not been in that <laughs> spot. All right, my number one. Oh no, I'm on. We're on two. Number two. two. Yeah. My number two was my number one for the better part of leading into this. I thought this was a solid number one, um, but my number two is the Green Knight. It's a good pick. Uh, Dev Dev Patel gives him an amazing performance. The visuals are great. It's such just. It's such a good story. So Riley, your number two. Uh no number one. Oh yeah, you started. I, I went us. first. Okay. Uh number one was Spider Man No Way Home. Jeff? Solid. Um well to no one's surprise, uh Dune occupies my number one spot. <laughs> um I've now seen it three times. Um I saw it once in IMAX and as Brendan said, it blew the back of my head out <laughs> all over my seat. Um <laughs> It, it's just it, Shy Halu just blowing Jeff's back. Oh out. yeah, yeah, baby, let's go. Um, no, it's it's funny. It's just it's just everything I want in a movie. Um, which I know people say like that's not what you should want, but whatever. I mean, all I want all the time is a movie that looks beautiful. Worm. With, <laughs> um, yes, worm. Plus, um, a movie that looks beautiful with a great cast, a great score. And like a giant sci-fi epic, just continue making huge, massive like sci-fi epics, and I will go to see every single one of them. Yeah. And the reason that one, speaking of continuing to make massive sci-fi epics, honestly, the only reason mine was Dune was not higher for me is because I know Part Two is coming, and just everything in this movie is a prologue to Part Two. Sure. Part Two is gonna be incredible. Sure. Yep. Uh, my number one, uh, I mentioned it, alluded to it a little bit earlier. It was Pig. This movie blew me away. It was unbelievable. It's it makes you just kind of take stock of things. Um, it talks. It, it's a movie that weighs on legacy, like what we are when we leave something behind, like how people remember us, uh, the things that matter to us, and it's unbelievable. And then it is just a gut punch of a closing act that like 
<laughs> Catherine texted me, uh, was like, Hey, yeah, can you get some things started, uh, for dinner? Cause she was out and she was on her way back and I was finishing it up <laughs> as she texted me. I'm like, hold on. I need, just let me finish sobbing. Like I have to like pull myself together and then I can go and get these things started. Cause it just unbelievable, just a moving emotional story. And cage deserves every bit of praise he gets. He deserved to get this role and to have this opportunity. Cause he knocked it out of the park. Is that and a rental? It's on, it's Hulu. on Hulu. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to check it out then. And uh, Alex Wolf also does an incredible job um, from where he's introduced in the movie and the things he's given to work with throughout the movie does phenomenal. It's it's a journey of it's like two ends of a journey of growth. It's somebody who is learning to let go of the things that they have come to love in their life. And it is somebody who is learning to love different things about their life. It's Man, there's so much I could talk about with that movie. All right. As we wrap up 2021, we look forward to 2022. What are some of the most anticipated movies you guys have for that? I will. And are we going to go three, two, one, or do we just want to talk about a few we have? Yeah, mine are in no particular order. Okay. Um, So one, I want to make sure I talk about uh, just because it's my most anticipated. It's huge. There is so much to be excited for. Uh, but everything, everywhere, all at once just looks amazing. Yeah. I've. I. It's hard to describe what it is and why I'm excited other than just telling you to go watch the trailer. Yeah, I, ju- it, I just trust the trailer. It's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. First one I'm going to mention uh, is the Northman. Northman. Yep. Northman. Um, should be a really cool Viking epic. Um, just stacked cast. And given uh, to us by Eggers. Yeah, which... so I'll be curious to see kind of Eggers on a more grand scale. Um, I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, but really looking forward to it. I, even though I think, I don't know if this comes out in 2022 or not. I think I'm more excited for his vampire movie. His nose, Well, that's the movie he's always wanted to make. He has, yeah. he has said he's wanted to do Nosferatu since he's gotten started. And that's, oh man, I'm pumped for that. Jeff, what about you? Man, I have such a huge list that I'm having a hard time picking. Um, but there's a couple that are like very clearly up my alley. Um, there's one I wonder if it's on your radar because it's an exact type of movie you have requested for somebody to make. Okay. So I don't know where I'm at on that one, but I there is a movie called Bullet Train um, that's a 2022 movie. Here's the synopsis. Five assassins aboard a fast-moving bullet train find out their missions have something in common, and it stars Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Zazie Beetz, and Michael Shannon. And Josh Gad. <laughs> As the voice of the train. Uh, <laughs> no, so I don't really know anything... Um, I don't really know anything else about it. Um, I'm trying to pick things that aren't giant franchises, but... 
this one is interesting to me mostly because I just want to see Michael Shannon in more stuff. Um, and I'm interested in Brad Pitt returning to action. So I, I think my only hesitation with that one is when I hear the premise of that movie, my brain automatically goes to murder on the Orient express. Oh, see, I think smoke and aces. Yeah. I mean, it has potential to be super dumb, right? I don't actually know if it's like, I don't know who's producing it, so I don't know if it's like a. I'm hoping it's not like a, uh, uh, like a Netflix movie, but it's being it's directed by somebody I don't recognize. But then one of the producers is Antoine Fuqua, who did Training Day. Okay. So I'm like, uh, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like maybe it'll be good. So. Yeah. So the one I was alluding to for my next pick, uh, is. So, Jeff, you've often talked about, we, we love Ethan Hawke, don't we, folks? We love Ethan Hawke. <laughs> folks, we love Ethan Hawke. And we really love when Ethan Hawke is given the chance to do horror. Yes. And so, buddy, I am pumped for the black phone. Yes, 100%. I have, I have heard to avoid all trailers, all promotional materials, and I have not seen a trailer yet. Oh, I have damn, walked, I have seen the trailer, but it's been I've a while. I've walked out of the theater when it's come up before a movie. I, ha- I have just seen the poster, and I the mask is so cool. But Ethan Hawke doing horror is, like, yes. that's so good. He, he thrives in the horror setting. Yes. That actually could have been an honorable mention for uh, first-time watch, non-2021, was Sinister. Yeah. Great movie. Sinister's Um, great. Okay, another anticipated. um, Oh, another big movie. uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. Yeah. Sequel to the beloved... uh, God, now there's so many fucking titles. Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. This one's... Oh, I guess this one's actually a part one. Yeah. but we'll have Oscar Isaac join the crew. Um, Still fingers crossed they bring back, I can't think of his name right now, but the 90s animated Spider-Man, I'm really hoping they throw in there. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Just as a voice. I think that'd be fun as a cameo. I think he earned it. His cameo, it has to be, like, it has to be the shocker scene. Oh, man. That'd be incredible. (laughs) Like, imagine if just, like, unexpectedly that's how you don't even see him yet you just hear that shocker i'll chase you to the ends of the earth (laughs) i mean i wouldn't put him past him to throw it in there i mean yeah so but i am excited for that movie um i think that's this summer all right jeff um what's your third or whatever we're on i think we're on our second um that was my second okay i've given two so far yeah so i'm giving my second so i'm sure somebody's gonna mention it but i have to i'll be the one to throw it out there i'm really excited for the new batman right yeah cranking that bat hog (laughs) it's just funny because like every i think tyler we've talked about this like like ah like i love batman but like do we need a new one you know what i mean and then you see the trailer and you're like all right, all right. Oh, yeah. That bat slop. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. I'm a little piggy for that bat slop. <laughs> oink, oink. <laughs> um, it looks great. Um, Zoe Kravitz actually looks like a very convincing Selena Kyle. 
uh, yeah. in a way that Anne Hathaway just couldn't really do. Um, so yeah, talk I'm... about convincing. Let's talk about Colin Farrell. <laughs> hey, Batman. Hey, to be the Penguin. <laughs> oh man, I'm doing crimes here. <laughs> So who knows? We'll, we'll see, but I think it's... No, and I, I say that with love. I, I think people are like, oh, it's going to be too serious. It's going to take itself too seriously and be too dark. It's It seems like it has the tone nailed. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. It has the goofy stuff. It has the sillier elements of the Batman universe. But then like, it has a Bruce being just this super dramatic the theater kid of a rich guy and (laughs) (laughs) but also he's gonna like it feels like i can't tell for sure yet but it seems like they're gonna do more of the detective work and i don't Mm -hmm. think we've really gotten that from batman yet yeah i agree with that and that's why the riddler is such a good like if you can do it non-cartoony like the Riddler's actually a pretty good villain to put up against Batman. You know what I mean? Because then you actually do get to see the detective stuff. He's got it his like Kanye West living in it. <laughs> Someone's like the Riddler's costume is a Kanye West living in the stadium outfit. <laughs> Someone was like, if he pulls off the mask and it's actually Jim Carrey, what a fucking trip that would be. Oh my god. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm I'm you know. I'll go when watch will it. Paul Dano get the shit beat out of him in this movie? Yes. Oh yeah, and it's gonna. <laughs> God, bring... they should have cast Daniel Day Lewis as Alfred, <laughs> <laughs> and have Alfred kick the shit out of the Riddler. <laughs> Why not? All right. Uh, the last one you guys have covered, or the Batman, um, Northman are both two that I was really excited. Uh, but nope, Jordan Peele's next movie mm-hmm. is set to come out. I know nothing about it. We haven't gotten anything about it other than a poster. I am in what is apparently a very small camp of people who loved us as much as I loved Get Out, uh, because us to me is Jordan Peele's Prince of Darkness. It's a weird sci-fi twist on horror tropes. I really loved it. I cannot wait to see what we get next. Super, super thrilled that this is coming out. Yep, totally agree. Uh, my last one I put on because it has made my twenty twenty. It made twenty nineteen <laughs> and twenty twenty, I believe, and that is Top Gun Maverick. I thought you were going to say Morbius. <laughs> no, but for yeah. the love of God, do I just want to watch this Top Gun movie? <laughs> For the record, Morbius does not exist. Is it Mobius? It's not a real movie. Is it Mo- no, Morbius? No, no, it's it just Morbius? a trailer. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a trailer that they used to commit tax fraud, and now <laughs> they realize they have to put a movie out, so they just keep pushing it back. All right, Jeff, round us out for tonight and wrap us up with your last most anticipated movie of the of 2022. Okay, so I'm really struggling with this. My easy answer is supposedly... I think it's supposed to come out in 2022. It may be a 2023, but I think the new Mission Impossible is supposed to come out next year. I think it says so. 2022 okay. on Letterboxd. So if that holds true, that'll be my number one right. thing that I'm looking forward to. But because I'm last, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to throw out a couple honorable mentions. Um, 
there is a movie coming out from David Cronenberg, the OG Cronenberg. Oh, that's right. Um, called Crimes of the Future. That stars Ooh. Vigo, our favorite guy, Vigio Morgenstein. Um, <laughs> it's got Leia Sadu, who is um, was it the the Bond girl from both the last one and this one, and then she was also just in French Dispatch, um, and then it's got Kristen Stewart and Scott Speedman. Yeah. And oh man, listen to the synopsis: a deep dive into the not so distant future in which humankind is learning to adapt to its synthetic surroundings. This evolution moves humans through their natural state into a metamorphosis, which alters their biological makeup. We are getting a Viggo Mortensen, Jesus Christ, whatever it is, <laughs> a, Cronen- a-, a Cronenberg body horror with Viggo, Leia, and Kristen Stewart. That's going to be. It sounds like a Cronenberg great. annihilation. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be fucking great. Is what it sounds like. So there's a lot of Cronenberg that I've missed. But I do know, uh, I believe him and Vigo have worked together in the past. So they did. They did one that was like very not not a, not his anymore. normal Cronenberg. Yeah, it was stuff, a history yeah. of violence, which is a really really good movie. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some s- strange scenes in it, um, yeah. some disturbing scenes in it. But overall, the movie is very good. So it's it's definitely worth watching. But and it's then not. I know Cronenberg. Crimes of the Future. Crimes of the Future, this is not a remake, but it is a mo- it's a title he's used before. Oh, so oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Play either the hits. either a title he's used before or one that he was using and it didn't get off. Like the a ground. working title. Yeah. Yeah. I I forget what exactly the specifics are, but it, it makes me think this is something that Cronenberg has had in the tank for a long time. And to get Cronenberg doing in the year of our lord 2022 a new like full-on body horror movie it could rule yeah let's do it then the other one we won't have to talk about it but obviously there's a scorsese coming out next year which has got oh yeah killers killers of the flower moon is coming out next year it's gonna be on apple plus i guess oh i didn't know that i don't like that um but i mean scorsese is just like that i don't know if i consider that real cinema (laughs) apple plus boy marty i don't know um but the the cast is gonna be amazing it's leo de niro jesse plemons our thick boy our thick boy brendan frazier all right i'm back you oh new thick boy uh multiple thick boys jesse plemons and uh John with that many thick boys on a cast, I don't know how that can be profitable for Frito Lay. <laughs> John Lithgow, also in that Ooh. one. Ooh, so our Lith boy. <laughs> Jeff, there was a movie I saw when I was scrolling earlier this week. I'm surprised didn't make it on your anticipated, but there's a new Guy Ritchie movie coming. I know, I left it off. It looks, Mr. Cashman. It looks fucking insane. Uh, yeah, it's like oh no, Guy Fortune. Orson Fortune or something like that. Well, no, I think the title is Guy Fortune. I don't think so. I didn't or think you're, I th- oh, no. I think it's here. I just had it up. Oh, no. Guy Ritchie. Mr. Cashman. It's not. Are you fucking around? <laughs> no, it's Mr. Cashman. It's Operation Fortune. Ruse. Oh, that's it. Ruse de Guerre. Uh, it's a tie in with uh, The Blacklist. 
He's the cash man. Well, Lucy. Well, the one that he's the cash. They call him the cash. Man. I didn't talk about it, but there was a movie that I really liked this year that was Wrath of Man by Guy Ritchie, and that also the Blacklist. Lizzie, they call him the Wrath of Man. <laughs> but originally, that movie was called Cash Truck. That was the original title of that movie. Was just Cash Truck, and it was just Jason Statham in a cash truck movie by Guy Ritchie, and they're like, fuck it, call it Cash Truck. And they're like, ah, uh, maybe we'll do a new, and it was Wrath of Man, which, like, doesn't make any fucking sense at all for the movie, but whatever. But yes, there is a new Guy Ritchie coming out next year. I'm very excited for that as well. Mr. Cashman. You know, another one we didn't talk about was, um, have you guys seen the insane trailer for Ambulance? Yeah. No, I Oh, have, have not. you not? My, oh, it, shit. We, it might be a Michael Bay renaissance. I, wait, wait, is it Michael Bay or is it Michael Mann? No, it's Michael Bay, Oh, I no, think. you're right. It is Michael Bay. It is Michael Bay. Yep. Michael Mann, though, Tokyo Vice, I believe, is coming to HBO Max. Ooh. A Michael, so a Michael not, Mann just That one me. will be a series, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, I will have to watch the trailer for Ambulance uh, because I am a noted stan of Pain and Gain. Uh, very huge fan of that movie and have gone on record saying it's Michael Man Michael whoa Michael Bay's best movie. <laughs> yeah. Which Michael Bay's best movie doesn't even come close to Black Hat. Michael Mann's least applauded movie. <laughs> Sorry, and Chris Hemsworth. That answers the questions, what if hackers were hot? <laughs> Anyway, thank you for listening. We are back, or we're here for the first time, depending on how you want to look at it. We're happy to be in a Kansas City podcast scene. Uh, Thank you all for supporting us in our first episode as we get started. It's been great. We'll see you in 2023. We'll see you next month. Remember, we're on a monthly schedule now. It's supposed to be way easier to keep up with and put episodes out. So, as he said, we'll see you in 2023. Bye, everybody.